Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Meat on One Veg podcast. With me, full-time food tosspot, and Elon, my second favourite food blogger, Simon Carlo. For those wondering, his first favourite is Cookie Monster's food truck. Gotta love the Cookie Monster. Hello, we're joined in, in Pure Crafts in Birmingham City Centre by Laura Hadland, a beer journalist, beer judge, beer guru. <laughs> well, that's a lovely introduction. Thank you so much. <laughs> I was trying to think of a third one that I could just do for beer. Yeah, beer it, stuff. I almost said beer monster, and then for for beer guru sounded better. I was talking about you earlier on and explained that your your entire life revolves around beer. And um, one of my friends said, "I really do have a shit life." <laughs> well, it's taken me quite a long time to kind of get to this point you know like I've worked really hard to get to a point where my life mainly revolves around beer because I do like sprinkle it season it with um, wine spirits and a lot of low and no alcohol as well I was named the best low and no alcohol beer and cider writer of 2022 congratulations you know thank you Little ripple, love a little ripple. Insert applause. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been doing um, beer stuff for? I started a blog in about 2008. And the more I blogged, the more I realised that what I liked writing about was food and drink. So I wrote more and more about that. You, you're very good at it. Thanks. Appreciate that. Low and no. Low and no. Low and no and beer and spirits. Beer and spirits Writer and of 2022. Yeah. Best beer book in the world, 2022. I'm throwing all the all the shit in there. Any more accolades you just want to chuck in? At there's this a, point? Well, there's probably loads, but there's yeah. probably loads. <laughs> I forget. I know uh, we both got those uh, Guild of Fine Food uh, Great Taste Awards badges. Shiny badges. Yeah. Shiny badges. Yes, I've got theory on this that if you wear them to any farmers market in the world, you'll get free food. Oh, that could be true. But then, if you go to any farmers market in the world, they will give you free food because <laughs> that's, that's how farmers markets work. <laughs> They give you tasters, so you buy shit, man. Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. I've not considered that. <laughs> oh, no, have I just blown a hole in your awesome theory? Yeah. Oh, that, no, yeah, I mean, that's, that's damaged, that one. The, the Guild is how Laura and I met. Yeah, in person. In person. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know... I think um, we've been Twitter friends for... We've been Twitter friends since, I don't know, since Twitter started. What? Well, since Twitter, when Twitter was good. Yeah, like 1901, something yeah, like that, yeah. yeah. It must be going on for 100 years. Thereabouts, yeah, it must uh, be uh, by now. Yeah. And we're about 100 years old. <laughs> Aside from the great taste stuff, what other judging do you do? I know that we spoke earlier on about camera. Yeah, so um, I judge um, quite a bit for camera. So Campaign for Real Ale um, have been very good to me and um, have classed me to their bosom. I am technically the official biographer of camera, which is quite fun. My first book was 50 Years of Camera, which was their history. Um, and since writing that, obviously I've got to know everyone in the organisation. I'm in the really weird position that I know more about camera than anyone else. Does that does that mean um, you've been so high up in the organisation that the the cat in the Wellington will come over and you, you'll be able to give it a little a little rub? 
No, I, I think what it means is that I have this weird position of observer, but also participant. I'm like poacher turn game, gamekeeper, but also pheasant at the same time. I, I like that analogy. Yeah. So the more I learned about the campaign for Real Ale, and I had been a member a couple of years before I started researching the book, the more I was into the idea of a campaign for living cascale. And so I, I like had done the training. So they have tasting panel training so that you can judge their, their awards. Um, so we have things like the Champion Beer of Britain, and I judged the Champion Beer of Britain Winter Edition, which was predominantly stronger and darker beers. And also, um, like, they have all kinds of regional competitions, all sorts of stuff, which is fun. So they, they kind of, they, they pulled me in because they were brilliant. And the thing that I really love about Camera is that they're pretty much volunteer run. And I think that's magic, man. It's like, beautiful. They do it because they love real ale and they want other people to try it and enjoy it and to share their passion. Outside of people who understand it, such as yourself, Canberra gets a bit of a... They take it for something more than it is. You know, they, a, load of, a load of people stood around drinking beers, moaning about, you know, less other beers and creating... But it's in reality, and I go to quite a lot of... Uh, I drink in the Wellington all the time, mainly because I have an excellent dartboard. Um, but I also really like the Jeweler's Arms and and also the Craven Arms. So pretty much all the, all three of them from, is it Black Country Beer Group? Yeah, yes. Black Country Ales. Yeah. Black Country Ales, yeah. Solid pubs. Yeah. Just good traditional pubs. That's what Black Country Ales does really well. You know, they've they've cornered the market in the Midlands on great, just traditional pubs. And BAPs. And BAPs, yeah, or COBs, depending on what bit of the Midlands you're from. Yeah, I'm, I'm not willing to get into that argument. No, well, no, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to fight you. <laughs> I, I changed my opinion on BAP or COD based on whoever uh, whoever it is arguing the, the opposite points. Well, I come from a part of the world originally where it's a bomb, so like, I'm outside the argument. Anyway, I've just lived in Leicester for so long that I'm, I'm kind of in with COBs, and now I've just moved to Shropshire, and it turns out they have COBs as well, so I'm quite happy. I found out from your neck of the woods, the, the scariest one I've ever heard is that from Preston, they, put, they have a pie bomb. Where they, where they eat Are you pie. talking about a wig and kebab? The wig and kebab, that's the <laughs> one. be my love. <laughs> yes. Where they put a pie in between two pieces of... In, in, yeah, in that's a wig and kebab. That is, that is a real thing. Can have you confirm. had it? Yeah. <laughs> of course I have. We'll put out between two slices of bread, my love. It's perfect, especially a meat pie. <laughs> Fucking hell. I'm just nodding now because I don't know what to say to you. Like, obviously the wig and kebab exists. It's not a fucking dragon. (laughs) (laughs) Who would make that shit up? Obviously northerners eat that. It's a unicorn. It's It's a northwest thing. It's a unicorn. It's it's carb on carb, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. It's cold. It rains all the pissing time. (laughs) Hence hence why you found yourself in Shrewsbury. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> Where it still rains all the time. Where it, it rains, it rains a bit. Yeah, but it's, well, it floods it's all not, the time. It's not, it does flood all the time, yeah. But it's slightly fun. warmer. Yeah, it is a bit warmer. And uh, so we came to Shropshire, and now I'm, I'm trying, to, uh, trying to get my way in with all the beautiful pubs and brewers and vineyards and distillers and all the great producers that we have in Shropshire. So I've just started... Shrewsbury, Shrewsbury beer tours. That's, that's a very good pun. 
It's going to be fun. So we're doing four uh, pubs in an afternoon. They are Sunday walking tours. And we're going to start off uh, at different pubs. It's going to be different pubs every time. It's going to be different beers every time. I'll take you around. So you've already got my <clears throat> expertise. And then you'll have two halves in the first pub, two in, in the first two pubs, two pints in the second two pubs. And I'm hoping that we will have a brewer from the county, the region, joining us each time as well. So there'll be two sets of experts, one who actually brews on a regular basis. And we're going to only do cask ale because that gives us a better chance of doing local beers in these different pubs. And we're going literally from like ultra modern, hip craft beer bars to the oldest of the old, you know, the really historic timber beat. Like the Nags Head has got like, I think it's what, 1470 medieval timber building just crumbling away in the beer garden for no apparent reason apart from Shrewsbury mate. If I'm Shrewsbury mate. Shrewsbury mate, yeah. <laughs> We've got you here. We're in purity. We've got eight one-third pints and hopefully you're going to give us an insight into what we can look for when um, when you try beer. Yeah, so I think like I'm conscious that you're not a big beer drinker or a big beer fan so what I've tried to do is line us up a flight that has like a whole range of different styles because I think the thing that I always try to impress on people is that beer is brilliant because it's generally speaking slightly lower ABV than other drink categories so that can be quite nice for people you know it's kind of more we talk about session beers and basically that's saying a beer that you might be able to drink more than one of without falling off your perch and um, and also I'm kind of always keen to tell people that there, there is a beer out there for you even if you're like oh I hate beer there is no beer in the world I like actually this combination of water malt yeast and hops can come in so many different varieties shapes and sizes that there is a beer out there for everyone and i will damn well prove it great let's get started okay so, what have you picked first so we start with our um purity hellas so hellas is a traditional german style of lager so i thought we'd have a lager first I used to drink a lot of lager. I used to drink beer Moretti. Right? Okay, so you're talking about commercially produced lowest common denominator lagers that are designed to uh, not offend anyone and therefore not really taste of anything. Now, this is a traditional uh, German style of lager where you've got noble hops like Hallertau being used to give you a slightly spicy herbal feel. So you should be able to smell it. But what we've got there, instead of just your slightly thin, insipid, overly sweet lager, this is sweet. It has a sweet finish to it, but it has lots of body with it as well. So it's more in. It's a more interesting lager. And this is this is purity. So it's this is purity. Yes. Yeah. So we're we're dealing with good quality ingredients. We're dealing with good quality ingredients where the waste products are then sent off over to the farm and used for fertilizer or animal feed which i like pure hells from purity is a solid five percent so um our friend why you can beat that probably is uh, is no longer i do not think in uh, in the five percent zone 
uh, most of our kind of continental shite lagers, where <laughs> continental style shite lagers, where wherever they're brewed, are not even hitting that kind of percentage anymore. So this is this is a relatively strong lager from a British perspective, I would suppose. I really like that. It's great, isn't it? Okay, so let's go on to beer number two, otherwise we'll be here for a billion years. Yep. So this is Jimbo on cask. Again, Purity Brewing. So I've brought us out. They have a small selection of cask ales. Well, actually, I say small. It's small compared to the rest of the menu. Compared to most pubs, it's actually a, a lot of cask ales that's on. And this is a best bitter. So I'm taking you to our roots. I'm taking you to trad, British... Stunningly, I'm hoping, stunningly good. Uh, Bitter. I went to Burton. Like the the original home of brewing. Tried tried a bitter. I still don't know what bitter is. Mm. So this is kind of why I picked it, because um, a lot of people who do cask ale still make a bitter. But the really weird thing now is that I think people get put off by the name when actually, if you like IPAs and you drink pale ales and those sorts of things, they will be a lot more bitter than this beer. So I spoke before briefly about beer being generally composed of water, yeast, malts and hops. So you've got these different elements and you can dial each one up or down depending on what flavour profile you want to come out. Now with a bitter, this is a traditional style and here the malt is predominant. So it's a little bit sweet. You're expecting from the malts kind of characters like maybe dried fruits or biscuits or, you know, slightly sweeter maltier elements to come through and this one I think you do get that so it it again has like good mouthfeel it's a decent body it's not it's not too thin it doesn't feel too watery in the mouth it feels quite grown up Mm. maybe but the bit the bitterness cuts through the sweetness of the malt at the end so you just get that lingering bitterness at the end however some of the beers we're going to try in a bit blow this out the water for actual bitterness I wanted to do a cask because that is, of course, a living thing. When cask beer is conditioned, it's conditioned in the cask. So they have to bring it here. And then from the brewery, it goes into the cellarman's hands here at the pub. And it might be the landlord, it might be whoever's in charge of the cellar. But they have to look after it and they have to care for it and they have to serve it properly. So I don't think a lot of people realise how much work goes into cask ale. Um, in order to serve it to you in good condition. But also, it's really special. If we lived in any other country on Earth, cask ale would be like the thing that... It would be pizza. It would be the baguette. It would, you know, it would be the thing that made the... You know, that everyone on Earth knew your country for. But we don't shout about it enough. It'd be a bread-based snack. It would be a bread-based snack. Well, it kind of... It's, you know, it's liquid bread. (laughs) And in a beautiful segue, uh, why not move on to our next sample of beer, which is uh, number 12 on your list, our Maisel's Vice, the original wheat beer. So, um, again... We're looking at a different element of the beer-making process coming to the fore. So we just had a beer that was led by malt characteristics. What can you smell first? It smells sweet. Sweet? But what, what are the things? What are the aromas? 
What other things? Fruit. Like, Fruit. Like pear. Pear, banana. Banana, definitely pear banana. Pear drops. Yes. Cloves. So I'm, I'm Bubble get, gum. I'm getting all right at this. Yeah. With me holding your hands, you're on the way there. So. That's the only reason I'm only here is for you to hold my hand. Oh, it's nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> but wheat beer then. We're dealing with yeast coming to the front. So we've got estery flavours. It tastes like banana foam sweets. Banana foam sweets, exactly that. And it's thick, it's rich in the mouth. This is the fullest bodied beer that we've had so far. But can you believe that these are all beer and this crazy variety is actually kind of completely traditional and all we've had so far are really traditional beer styles as well and this complete spectrum of flavors and textures and aromas are 100 percent part of what we're what we're what i was expecting drink weird beers you shits drink weird beers you shits <laughs> can someone put that on a fucking badge for me <laughs> Right. Um, <laughs> next beer. Okay, so we are now on the Purity Double Bunny, which is slightly hazy uh, double IPA. So we're looking at a. I don't know. I'll be honest. It don't tastes really, quite alcoholic. It will be. I don't really know why it's called a double IPA though, because it's six point eight percent ABV, which is about where I would hope an IPA to be in really purest kind of traditional terms. I think they call it that because it's easier to say than IPA, IPA. I think everyone, yeah, I think, no, they like deeper. Deeper is how they like it. Is, deeper is and deeper. Deep, is that what a deeper is? Deeper and deeper, yeah, double and triple. Is, I did not so, know this. So that's a weird thing where they go back to like the, the Belgian style of brunes where you get a double and a triple, which are stronger and stronger still. But they are also their own styles within their own right and they're brewed with their own kind of recipes and combinations of molten hops and all the stuff we've already been talking about. But essentially, when they say double IPA, they're saying more hoppy and more alcoholic. With this beer now, we're leading with hops. So remember, we've got this traditional kind of four ingredients that beer is made of. We've worked through yeast flavors predominating, malt flavors predominating. Now we're dealing with hops here. So you've got pure fruit coming up, uh, grapefruit, even um, like some of the tropical fruits in there, maybe a bit of mango, a bit of There's guava. There's definitely a bit of mango, a bit of pineapple in there. Pineapple, yeah, for sure. Yeah, or, an orange as well, kind of like a tangerine element in there. It'll make your weed smell great. Mm. Which is always nice. I love a fragrant piss. <laughs> I find that a little bit boozy. It tastes mm. boozy. Yeah, so it should. I mean, it's in, it's intended to absolutely, and that's part of its character. So that's part of what gives it its texture, its mouthfeel, and as you swallow, that that higher alcohol content gives you a warming feeling as you're drinking it and also that helps to enhance and heighten the floral aromas of the hops so also we've got hops in two different parts of the brew so we've got bittering hops at the beginning of the brew process that are boiled in and then we have aromatic hops which are just added in at the end the dry hopping so it's like hot tea basically like you you're throwing it in as a tea bag at the end this is why people go on about drink fresh, drink chilled with, you know, really hoppy beers because those volatile aromas, those volatile molecules will disperse over time. The bitterness is super soft on this 
And annoyingly, they haven't put the IBUs on here. Um, you may have not noticed there's this whole column on the menu, which is IBU. So we have ABV. So you know, IBU you, is something unit. IBU is about the bitterness. Yeah, so it's, ah. a, it's a measurement of bitterness. So you can actually tell. If you, if you find this too much, it might be because it's too bitter. Now, I can't tell you what the IBUs are because for some reason it's not in there. I guess because this is maybe a special seasonal beer, but for all their purity's core range, you can see what the IBUs are. So the bunny hop, the originator of this on cask, is 65 IBU, which is a shitload higher than anything else we've had today. So like the Hellas that we had right at the beginning was 18, so really low on IBUs. So if you see that on a menu... You can always go, hang on, I think I'm not big on big bitterness. I'm not blowing smoke up your arse here, but I think you've just revolutionised um, beer drinking for people in places like this because a lot of the times they'll come in and go, you know, can I have something that's... Uh, that's not too bitter or something that's quite light. <laughs> and actually, there's a fucking chart for there it. There is literally a bit on the menu, yeah. And I am here to be your your guide, but your translator into the world. This is what I want to do in life, though, is just interpret the world of beer for people and go, look, it's not scary. It's super fun and delicious. What's next? I don't know. I've forgotten it. Are we, going, so are, we, are we going top left again? This one? Yeah, yellow one. Yeah. So now, what you will notice here, this is a, a brewery I love, um, and they are much closer to me now that I'm in Shropshire, and they are in lovely Wales. I think they're in Mould, actually, Polly's. Is it? Oh, okay. I think Polly's Brewer in Mould. I thought you were yeah. going to say <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, beat that shit out. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not giving them airtime, oh, no, I'm sorry. No. Just, it won't be done. Polly's. <laughs> I love Polly's. They have a beautiful, beautiful teardrop uh, or water drop uh, graphic logo. And this is, we're still in um, IPA territory, but it's softer and you can see it's hazier as well. And the head is kind of thinner and, and denser it's, and the mouthfeel is softer. It's liquid salted caramel. It really shouldn't be. You should be still in that tropical fruit area. <laughs> I think your taste buds might be fucked. I hate great taste awards, Guild of Fine Foods. We've got a we've got a judge emergency. He we, can't taste shit. We've got fraud. No, I definitely get caramel notes on that. No, there is there is possibly a, a slightly saline note on the finish of that, which I would go. I see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. And there is a sweetness here. So this is where I would go for the sort of. New England IPA, so we're talking hazier, fruitier, softer, more pillowy. Uh, this is where you start to get craft beer nerds talking about juice bombs. I really like that. Yeah, so so that is like, whereas the Double Bunny is kind of on the West Coast IPA side, this is sort of on the New, New England IPA side. So we've got our Deeper versus our Nipa. So Nipas are incredibly on trend now incredibly popular they are super soft to drink pillowy fruity the bitterness is uh, much lighter in the mix so obviously a good beer has to have balance the same that a good wine has to it has to have good length it has to have good intensity and more often than not you want decent complexity nipas tend to be on the simpler side of the flavor profile but the the mouthfeel is so good 
So that's a very trendy type of beer at the moment. I would say so. Yeah, Nipahs are all over the place at the moment. It's where you start getting you know, like the thicker and the thicker and darker they get, the more you start hearing people talking about juice bombs and it's dank, man. It's fucking dank. Does um... <laughs> and some of them smell dank as well, and that comes from like the kind of Californian cannabis culture with people talking about dank. Dank weed coming through into hop aromas, which are of course in the same family. So. We have a pink one though. Yeah, so this is kind of like a lovely sort of, um, I would say almost ruby colour. Yeah. Uh, we've not got a lot of um, kind of head on there. Um, little touch of carbonation still going through. In fact, it's almost like a deep salmon colour, I would say. There's like orange tinge in there. <laughs> so we are now on the lovely Kirkstall Brewery on the Blackberry Sour. So this should be a fruity sour. It's very sessionable. We're at 4%. I mean, when you smell it, blackberries all the way. Have a little taste. Sours are very popular now, but they, they can still be quite, quite hard to get hold of for some people. I like sours. Love them. We are not making them as sour or quite as interesting as the Belgians have been doing for many, 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 many generations now. But we are doing some interesting shit. And this is a great example of it, actually. It's got lovely blackberry flavour. The acidity is crisp, beautiful, mouth-watering. It's quite tart. It's very tart. It's, be- it's lovely. It's I- kind of like cassis. Yes. But, but with citric acid added to it. Mm. And I always talk to people in my wine tasting saying, you can tell the acidity of a wine or anything you're drinking by how quickly you have to swallow again after you've taken a sip because your mouth is watering. And this is one of those where it's within a second. Do you remember the goodness gracious me sketch where they go for an Indian? The blandest thing on the menu. I would love to see what the beer equivalent of that would be. Oh my God. Well, that is is your macro produced lagers. That is entirely what they're designed to be. They're designed to offend no one. Give me your most piss water. Yeah, give me... Yeah, can you remember that advertising campaign when said, you can't sum up the taste of in one word? Every time that advert came on, my husband just went, I fucking can. Piss. (laughs) (laughs) Legend! So, now, something I've really enjoyed writing about recently is Nitro Stout. So, you may be familiar with Nitro Stout already because nitrogenated beer was invented by a little brewery known as Guinness. Might have heard of Guinness. You may have heard of them. You may have had one once they, or they twice. Might, they might have took me to, um, to... I might have went to the rugby with them. They should have taken me to the rugby because I'm writing quite a lot about nitrogenated stout. Yeah, but are you, are you wonderful company on a train journey back? Well, I feel like this is probably for you to make a judgment <laughs> at this point. Am I a wonderful company? Uh, so, anyway. This isn't a Guinness. No, it is not. So, um, I, I know that because it hasn't got my face in it. <laughs> yeah, what, what happens when you've got your face or a shamrock or any other thing <laughs> is you're in a shit bar. That is a massive clue. Because <laughs> I don't even think Guinness want you to do that. So, we have, <laughs> instead of carbonating the beer what we're doing is adding nitrogen so you're again serving it a little bit cooler sacrificing possibly some of the complexity of flavor 
to have these amazing teeny, 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 tiny bubbles that give you a richer mouthfeel. And that's essentially what Guinness invented. They uh, got this guy on board who was a mathematician originally. He led a team of scientists. They developed nitrogenation for beer. And here is Purity's example, which I have not tried yet. So we are back on beers that are led by their malt characteristics, but instead of straight malt, we are now roasting, toasting our malt, which is where our dark colors come from, and which is where we can start to smell aromas of coffee, chocolate, maybe a bit of nut. A lot of coffee, a lot of chocolate, a lot of... Um... bit of vanilla. Yeah, a little bit of vanilla. It's got like dark... You're going to tell me I'm miles off here. Because mm. I, don't, I don't drink a lot of Guinness. There I went, are no wrong answers. I went, I went to the Temple Bar in Dublin and there's a picture of me where um, I took a sip of my first pint of Guinness at 11am and spat it out. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not great with Guinness at all. But um, that, to me, has similar qualities. They got a lot of value from taking you to the rugby then, They I did. See. Yeah, vodka ripples, 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. Fucking, <laughs> I fucking hate Guinness, but yeah. I'll, I go, I'll go on your press trip. Yeah. I, <laughs> Um, <laughs> just call it as I see it, mate. Yeah, just call it as you see it. Bang goes next year's. It reminds trip. me of um, dark rum a little bit. Yeah, no, qualities. absolutely. So you've got a lot of similar shit going on here with like um, roasted, toasted, and maturation to a degree. I would say maybe, but really, um, yeah, no, actually, no more. Use it, and they're um, they're liaising with. Um, a local coffee producer as well. The dark colour and those intense coffee and chocolate flavours are coming from the roasted malts, essentially. And I thought we'd finish, um, mainly just because I wanted to try it. (laughs) (laughs) So this is Wylam, but they have made a uh, hazelnut and praline porter. So... We've gone from a stout to a porter. So this is all historic nonsense that you don't want to get into. But essentially, you had a porter and then the stout was the stouter, stronger version. So a porter is less strong. Um, But now, theoretically, I mean, there's there's no real, there's no real, like, legal definition of what a beer style means. They're calling it macchiato. So it is coffee base but they are not doing a collaboration with a coffee company that's so fucking, that's fucking coffee yeah but uh, also are you not getting but the, no, nuttiness the, more but nutty uh, am I, is it acceptable to have one of those after, start, after dinner oh yes. no I was, gonna, I was more, more thinking to start my day after a shower at 8.30 oh well I mean honestly yes that would be fine <laughs> because this is this is six and a half percent so you know, half a pint of this would get you going in the morning. It's delicious. And again, we've got a bit of sweetness in there. So this is kind of coating the mouth in a slightly syrupy way that even that kind of thick, juicy neeper wasn't. It's it's thick and it's sticky in a way that none of the other beers that we've had are. And that is really the difference with the nitro as well. So the nitro gives you a cleaner finish to just a straight keg or cask kind of hefty kind of dark beer it's like this. Syrupy and Very it's syrupy dark yeah. and it's it tastes like um it to me that just tastes like really strong coffee. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm getting I'm, I'm kind really, of... I really like it. Yeah, I'm getting hazelnut layers coming through. Yeah. I'm getting like a soft sweetness at the end. So the finish is just kind of tailing off, whispering off. And I'm left with almost car- caramelised nuts. Sugary nuts it's on the finish. Sugary nuts. On my finish, yeah. If you will. Sugary nuts to finish. Sugary nuts to finish, yeah. I mean, that's got to be it by this point, honestly. Yeah, it has. You can't want me to rub it on any longer. No, you've been amazing. Thank you so much for your time. And before we wrap up, um, how do people book the Shrews beer? So you want to go to Shropshire Goat, or one word, shropshiregoat.com forward slash Shrews beer. And also, if anyone cares at all, you can find all my socials, my writing, all that kind of crap, on Linktree slash Laura Hadlin. Laura Hadlin, that's H-A-D-L-A-N-D. It is, yeah. Yeah, remembered that. Didn't have you to, did? Didn't even have to write it on my hand like I did with most other people. <laughs> oh. our, our producer's called Simon Boskowski, and I get his name wrong about 15 times a fucking week, so... Life just so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel honoured. Well, it's been it's been a pleasure and a privilege because I know you're not you're not a big beer man, so I appreciate um, no, being been able wonderful. to take you through. Any French man out there listening to this would be like, "What the hell have you just said?" I don't give a shit about the fish. Laura is right. We all do love a fragrant piss. Book a tour and also get yourself to Pure Craft Zone for the vice beer and the chicken. Now on to Sigh of Butterbelly, my personal favourite street food. Uh, hello, we're with um, with Sai from uh, Butterbelly. How are you doing, Sai? I'm good, thank you. I love your food. You, you, you know you're my favourite street food. <laughs> he says this to all of us. No, I, I, <laughs> I do say that to, to all the street food trainers. <laughs> but um, but I, really do, I really do mean it with you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, big news uh, is you've got a restaurant. Finally, yeah, we did it. We signed in Sturchley uh, with all, all the cool kids. It's just seemed the right place to go for us, so... I, I've actually known for ages. Um, a drunk man in the Bournebrook pub told me. And, <laughs> we thought and, that might have been the case. And that's actually, that's not a joke. A drunk man in the Bournebrook pub oh, said to me, do you know who's going over there? And I said no. And he went, Butterbelly. Oh, my... <laughs> And um, and I've had to keep my mouth shut for ages about it. Oh my god, you did really well. I, well, yeah, I did. Really yeah, good. I've got a massive gob. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I take it it's not under the Butterbelly banner. Um, yeah, so we're gonna. We wanted to call the bricks and mortar place something different, um, just to differentiate, because we felt that Butterbelly was a really fun name that we wanted to keep to the street food. So it's just something a little bit more grown up. Just another strand of what we do. Do you mind saying what it's called? Soy1268. Which happens to be your password for your computer. <laughs> Which is all, yeah, all of my logins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what can we expect on the menu? Different from what we're doing now. So still keeping in with some of the, some of the street food dishes, but just, just showing people a little something different of what we're capable of. Being able to be more creative in the kitchen, you know, something where we don't have to kick out masses and masses of it in a really short space of time, something we could take a bit more time over. Little dishes that'll still have, you know, the same punchiness that we offer. 
in our street food dishes. But um, you're, you won't be... You won't be dropping the street food in any way, shape or form. You're still going to keep that going. No, we love the street food aspect of the business. It's how we started and we still are really passionate about it. There's, there's just nothing like that, having that audience come to you and, you know, being with your customers and catching up and chatting. People like you, you know, you just, you just meet everyone there. It's just a great way to work. What, what made you go with street foods um, initially as opposed to a, a restaurant? Street foods in, in my family, it's in my blood really. Third generation street food trader. Um, all of my family in Thailand still work in street food in Bangkok, in Sarin where I was born. Um, my mum started a street food business 20 plus years ago in Gloucester. <laughs> not many Thai street food traders in Gloucester at that time um, and then um, you know I was working I went to university worked as a social worker for a little bit and then sort of you was a social worker <laughs> I know you can't imagine it can you? You, you was a social worker <laughs> <laughs> I was one of the good ones <laughs> they, they trusted you in the community <laughs> I know James says this to me all the time <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, and then I, I did that bit, went to uni, did that bit, and then sort of went back to my roots, really, and just went into street food. Um, it was accessible at the time, set up costs, you know, all I needed was a, a wok and a rice cooker and, and a couple of pans, and I'm there selling on the street. You know, it's nothing like the cost of opening up a bricks and mortar place. I, I remember seeing you for the first time, oh, God, nine ten years ago on new street oh my god uh, right towards the top by victoria they square were fun times. next to low and slow yeah <laughs> causing trouble and you had a, a ramshackle for a tent <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it looked like it'd been put together in four minutes oh my gosh yeah i'm pretty sure they are to be fair. that was the first time i tried your food oh my gosh they were some fun times you just you felt like you were just pissing around to be honest but it was a lot of fun and, you know, you just sold some curry at lunchtime and then home for tea time. It was brilliant. One of the originators. What is it that attracted you to Sturchley? I feel like Sturchley is perfectly in between lots of, lots of other places that, that are really cool. And I guess at, for a while there wasn't a lot there and then someone went and then someone else went and it's just building and building can eat can yeah. eat and then Alicia's and eat, eat Vietnam. Vietnam and couch and yeah and it's just yeah it's just it's just building and the area around it is so residential it just lends itself to have that really buzzing high street doesn't it no one you don't really have to travel there, but people are willing to now because there's so much on offer there. I'm going for beers with your other half on Tuesday in Sturchley, so... Um, oh, yeah, I'm the last to know once again. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna now extend my apologies for that. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Do you know what? You've met your match. <laughs> Budabelli are leaving Hockey Social Club on the 30th of April, so you've only got a week or two to get your fix in. And please keep an eye out for the new restaurant opening in Sturchley imminently. Malbec and Pinot Nord. Pork scratchings with banana and lime. Meat is delicious. I drink Carling on the weekend. I drink Jagerbombs and banana sambuca. Between that and the ham and cheese baguette, I'm well over it.
Join us next week where we'll be delving into the world of uh, food and drink once again and we'll be joined by Robert Ortiz of Shikana. As ever, thank you for listening to this. It really does mean a lot. And if you could uh, be so kind as to share it with your friends, give it a listen, like, subscribe, leave a nice review if you like it. And if you don't know me off the internet and decide to leave a one-star review, I have a particular set of skills. I will hunt you down and I will find you. This is the Meat and One Veg podcast. I'm Simon Carlo. It's a 969 Media production produced by Simon Boschowski. Did I say that right, Simon? Yeah. Yay! Results. Until next week, laters. Just before it starts to stay. Oh, honey, you're getting that so wrong. Hey, go treat yourself. That skills.